Good morning. Merry Christmas to all of you. It's just a couple days off. I pray that you're having a good season. All of you joining us online, glad you're joining us, and I pray you're having a great Christmas also. Uh, I love to read. I've always been a, a reader my whole life, and uh, I've gone back to Christian classics every now and then, and one of them that I went back to years ago and read was Pilgrim's Progress. It was written by uh, Paul Bunyan back in the 1600s. And the story is about a character named Christian, and he's kind of this everyday man that is on a journey. He's on a journey from his home of destruction to the celestial city. Uh, This all began when he read a book, and that's a reference to the Bible, and discovered that he had a problem. And it was represented in the story by this backpack that he was wearing. And the problem was a problem of sin and burden and anxiety and fear. And so he's on this journey from the city of destruction where he lives to the celestial city to try to get rid of this backpack. And he meets up with this fellow named Evangelist. And Evangelist says, hey, the the way to go is to, to get to that wicked fence over there and go through that and you'll get to the city of celestial. Now, when I said wicked, I don't mean wicked. I said wicked. W-I-C-K-E-T, okay, just so you know, and go through that gate and you'll be good to go. So he's pointing in the right direction and he begins this journey in this book, but event- right away he, he, he comes into the hands of this fellow named Sloth of Despond. And he kind of succumbs to him and uh, the backpack grows and gets heavier and the burden gets more uh, uh, for him. Um, but then help comes along, this, this person named Help, and gets him back onto the path. But then he meets up with Mr. Worldly Wise. Are you kind of getting where this book goes? And Mr. Worldly Wise says, oh, you don't want to go to the celestial city. Where you want to go is you want to go uh, instead to the, to the village of morality and seek out Mr. Legality. You know, and so he gets distracted and he goes there and, and all the time this backpack is getting bigger and bigger and they even had a little picture in the book that I have and the guy's basically crawling on his hands and knees and, and is giving up. Um, but then Evangelist comes back into the picture and says, hey, you've strayed. You've got to go to the wicked gate to get to the city celestial. And so uh, Christian makes his way uh, to this gate and he meets the gatekeeper. His name is Goodwill. And Goodwill says, now what you need to do is go to interpreter. And so he makes his way to interpreter where he receives instructions on Christian grace. And then as he continues his journey, he meets up with a cross and a sepulcher. And of course, that's representative of Jesus Christ. And there we're told the backpack falls off him. And he's finally delivered from this burden of sin and despondency and despair. And he meets up with three shining ones which represent, of course, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and he reaches the celestial gate. It's an interesting read. It's old, and it almost is simplistic, but it's so insightful in the Christian journey. It used to be a standard read uh, for a Christ follower to read the book Pilgrim's Progress. And if you really want to go ancient read something interesting, go read Augustine's City on a Hill. And some of these Christian greats, we, we don't read, we should read. Because they're so insightful and they're timeless in their applications to us. Um, Today we're going to once again visit this topic of rejoicing. You probably figured that out. Um, Aaron took us there last week and we're going to go back again and revisit this topic of rejoicing. It's been our main theme for the Advent season. 
And one of the things that we can rejoice about mightily today as we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ is that he came to set us free from what? Sin. And from slavery and mastery of sin. And we can just rejoice in that. And so I'm going to return us once again to our reading for this series from Advent, uh, from Isaiah chapter 9, verses 2 through 7. So I'm going to read this in its entirety to you today, um, but we're going to zoom in on a couple points made at the end of this reading. Um, and so listen to this again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased the joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For us, in the day of Midian's defeat, you've shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. What's that referring to is this. This thing called sin, this burden that we can't bear, has been shattered, Isaiah says. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. So, the first thing we see that we can rejoice in here today that I want us to zoom in on is this. Sin's yoke is shattered. Sin's yoke is shattered, Isaiah says. The backpack here that Christian had removed from him is the experience of so many people, amen? So many people are living their life with this thing on their back. Would you agree with me on that? And you know what happens? It becomes normalized. We think it's normal to have this big, heavy burden thing that we're carrying around with us all the time. We think this is just how you do life full of anxiety and fear and despondency and despair and letting our sin master us and drive us and being a slave to its impulses. And I tell you what, Christian brothers and sisters, you don't want this backpack on, amen? And when you become a Christ follower, you don't want it on. You don't want it burdening you. You want to be delivered from it. And Isaiah says that a child's going to be born to us, a savior. He's going to deliver us from what? The master of sin. The yoke has been shattered. Now, this is a big theme in the Bible. It's all over in the Bible. As I've discussed here multiple times recently, the, the Bible's one big story. So if we go over to the book of Leviticus, we read about how this works in, in, in regards to some foreshadowing there of what Jesus would do and how he would shatter uh, uh, um, this burden of sin. In Leviticus chapter 16, um, every year we're told that the Israelites were to observe the Day of Atonement. And here's what would happen on the Day of Atonement. The priest, first of all, would make sacrifice for himself so that he could present a sacrifice on behalf of the people. And then he would sacrifice a goat, shedding its blood to pay the price for the people's sins, for their wickedness and rebelliousness, all right? Then something interesting would happen after that, was happened, after that had happened. He, he would have a scapegoat come. And that priest would lay, the high priest would lay his hands on the head of the scapegoat and he would confess over the scapegoat all the sin of rebelliousness and wickedness of the people. And then another person would take that scapegoat 
and would lead that scapegoat into a desolate, deserted place, signifying that the sins had been removed and taken away. Now, you got to remember, the Bible's one big story, right? And so all that priestly stuff that was being done there in the Day of Atonement had no power in and of itself. If power lied in that, it pointed to what God would one day do through the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? That one day he would send his perfect son who would become the sacrifice for our sins once for all and he would carry our sins away forever out of the sight of God. Amen? Amen? And so this Day of Atonement became a way of demonstrating, of illustrating what we would have in Jesus Christ that Isaiah foretold about. What was interesting in that whole occurrence of the Day of Atonement was when the goat left, the people would shout out with joy, the goat has left, the goat has left. They understood, my sins have been carried away. I've been released. This burden that's so heavy has been taken care of. And every year, they would be reminded that they had a sin problem and that the sin problem required the sacrifice of blood and that that would carry away their sins then and they could be delivered from their sinfulness and their uh, you know, slavery uh, to sin. And um, I, I don't know how, how you read the Bible. I, I read it very differently the older I get. I see the, the connectedness of it and how God is just trying to multiple ways of, uh, to illustrate to us big key truths that we need to understand. And I marvel at it. I marvel at how it goes together. It is... Over so much time, you know, that this took place. But anyway, I'm, diverging, uh, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm diverging a little bit from what I want to talk about here. Um, so then the prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus was fulfilled. That's what we're celebrating here, right? Every, every year annually, we celebrate that what Isaiah foretold in, in chapter 9 has been fulfilled. And so we go to Matthew chapter 1, and I, I'm going to read to you verses 18 through 23. Listen to this now. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged uh, to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. There it is. Are you seeing a theme here? Isaiah foretold this all all the way back in Isaiah chapter 9. The the Day of Atonement demonstrated that year after year after year after year after year that the problem that we have is sin. And then Matthew chapter 1 just outright says, he will save you from your sins. Amen? All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So if you're a note taker, here's the point. Jesus has saved those who trust him from sin. But more than that, he's taken that sin away. It's gone. It's lost his influence. The yoke has been broken. The burden's been relieved. The backpack's not on anymore. Sin no longer is to be our master, amen? Sin's to become utterly sinful to us. It's to become something that we don't have to succumb to anymore, amen, right? And, and that's, that's just a wonderful message. Well, let me finish painting for you the picture of what Jesus has done. Now, Jesus has grown up. He's no longer an infant. He's grown up. He, he went into the desert. He was tested. He came out of the testing uh, with the devil there victorious, and he's full of the Holy Spirit's power, and he returns to his hometown of Nazareth, and he goes to synagogue, and this is what he says. He picks up 
uh, the scroll of Isaiah. And he reads this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recover his sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Have you noticed there's been a lot of talk on freedom lately? Our big problem is this, friends. Right here. Our big problem is slavery to sin. Our big problem is carrying burdens we're not meant to carry, of being full of anxiety and worry and concern, and that can become something that's causing despair and despondency. And I see right now we're getting a lot of people just critical and angry and full of this kind of this, uh, what do I call it? I, I hate to use the word negativity, but just kind of everything is woe me. It's like the Eeyore has been unleashed on us and steroids from Winnie the Pooh, right? The sky is falling. It's, my hut's falling down. Everything's terrible right now. Listen, in Jesus Christ, we are set free from the slavery of sin. Amen? It no longer masters us. That is a big message of Isaiah chapter 9. That's a big message of the story of Christ's birth. That's a big message proclaimed by Jesus Christ himself. That's a big message of the feasts observed like the Day of Atonement in the Old Testament. It all points to this idea that we, as children of Jesus Christ, are not enslaved any longer to the burden of sin. Now, remember what I was saying in, in the case of the Day of Atonement when uh, the goat would leave, they would say, the goat has left, they would rejoice. You know what we're going to do? Oh, reserved people of Brookings, South Dakota. We're going to rejoice for a moment. This is incredibly important to do. I'm trying to do this more. My wife says I need to work on this. She's right. Because we can easily become just super critical and very angry. Amen? Right? Especially if you listen to any of the news. It's just one bad thing after another. Amen? Let's see if we can just sensationalize this and let's sensationalize that. Let's see if we can outdo that bad news with this. Bad news over here. It's ridiculous anymore of where this is all going and heading. So we're going to do a rejoicing exercise. And you're captive here and you have to do it with me. You can say, oh, I don't have to do anything. Well, you're right. You don't have to do anything if you don't want to. But I'm going to encourage you to do this because, listen, hearing comes, you know, faith comes from hearing the word of God and sometimes proclaiming it and saying it out loud instills into us faith. And sometimes we just have to say to our own soul, soul, hear these words of the Lord and say it to yourself. So I have to do that. Sometimes I have to say and speak to myself. And sometimes by speaking it out loud, by hearing it, it just instills faith in me. So what we're going to do is a rejoice exercise. I'm going to say a line and you're going to shout it back at me. Okay? Pretty simple. Amen? Right? And if you're at home, just because you're at home doesn't mean you just sit there and look at the screen. You say it too. I'm speaking right to you. I'm looking right at you right now. If that red camera better be working, it's where I'm supposed to look when I want to look at people at home. Um, I don't know why. We have a green camera over here, which wouldn't you think you'd look at the green camera? Amen. I've been telling Kyle all along, why am I looking at the red camera? I love red. It's my favorite color. Amen. But it says, stop. Don't look here. I should look at the green one, right? No, don't look at the green one. Look at the red one. Anyway, you guys don't honestly care about any of this. 
but I'm just, I got to get it off my chest too at times. But anyway, here we go. We're going to say this out loud together, and I want you to say it like you mean it. I want you to shout it back. If you're at home, say it to the screen. Speak these words out loud. Okay, here we go. The goat is left. You say? Very good. The yoke is shattered. In Jesus, I'm free. From slavery to sin. Amen. Yay, I got an amen. Praise God. I knew you were on a roll. Amen. That was so cool. Listen. I want you to hear my heart, okay? Just for a minute. Christmas is an annual opportunity to chuck everything aside and to reset our demeanor for the year. It's an opportunity to say, you know what? God, you so loved, you came. And you made your dwelling among us. It's an opportunity to declare and renew faith in Jesus Christ and to say, I'm going to start this year out just zooming in on you, Jesus, and focusing in on you. And I'm going to let you set my attitude. I'm going to let you set my demeanor. I'm not going to be a slave to fear and anxiety and all the silliness and nonsense that says to want to capture our minds and distract us. And so I want to encourage you, amp up the rejoicing. Do it on purpose. Look for ways to thank God. Look for ways to connect with him by praising him and exalting him. When we do that, it's like salve to our souls. It's like healing to our bones. It does something about uh, in us that, that's so important. Amen, right? And so I just want to encourage you. Maybe shut off some of the social media. <laughs> it's okay to be informed. I'm not saying don't be informed. But when you get informed enough, be informed enough to shut it off. Don't listen to that constantly. Put on some music that you really love. Something that's edifying, that's uplifting, that blesses your soul. Speak words out to God. When you're reading something in the Psalms that just hits you, just speak it out loud. When, you, when you're doing Christmas with your kids, speak it out loud to them. Start being more demonstrative and, and rejoicing for God is all I'm saying, okay? Let's go on to a second point. Rejoice, Jesus is mighty to save. Man, I love where Isaiah goes in chapter 9 here when, when Isaiah describes the child that's going to be born. Jesus, he describes him. And it's just with these, these great attributes of Jesus that inspire rejoicing. So we're going to go through these really quickly. Jesus is wonderful counselor. Now that word wonderful in the original language of the Hebrew, the Old Testament, is just an, it's a, it's a cool word. It means extraordinary ways that God deals with his people. It means miraculous, wonder-working ways of God. So when, when Christ is labeled wonderful counselor, what, what's being said here is this. Rejoice in this idea that we have this wonder-working, extraordinary God among us. Jesus is wonderful counselor. I don't know about you, but I've received a lot of counselor in my life that's not wonderful. How about you? And very sincere people have told me sometimes some very wrong things to do. Jesus never does that. His counsel is extraordinary, and it's edifying, and it's miracle-working in our lives. So rejoice that Jesus is mighty to save. He's wonderful counselor. Rejoice that Jesus is mighty God. Now, that label, mighty God, comes from the Hebrew word 
L for God, E-L, capital E-L. And, and L is translated um, as mighty one. So this is a really great rendering here for L, mighty, mighty God. And, and Isaiah is making known that Jesus is part of the Godhead. He's part of God the Father. He's always been part of the Godhead. And he's wanting us to understand Jesus' place in, in things, that this one who's coming, this, this son, is God himself coming to dwell among his creation. Now, verses in Isaiah like this help us understand who Jesus is and keeps us from some heretical thinking. I'm going to give you a 30-second theological teaching today. Are you okay with that? Because once again, you have no choice. But I think this is really important to understand because there's so many wrong ways of thinking about uh, Jesus Christ. We call that heretical thinking. That means I'm thinking wrongly about Christ. I have a wrong assumption. And so a heretical teaching about Jesus is called Arianism, which that says the Son was created by the Father. Isaiah say, huh, he's everlasting Father. He is God Almighty. He's always been part of the Godhead. There's a heretical teaching called adoptionism that says Jesus was adopted at baptism. If you hear someone with a great new idea saying, I think I got this figured out, don't listen to that. That's just an old heresy, a wrong way of looking at who Jesus is. Adoptionism is wrong. There's another heresy. It's called Sabellianism. That believes Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are just three different modes of revelation of God. It's like Father became the Son, the Son became the Holy Spirit. Huh? Three in one, three distinct persons, everlasting, always there, always in perfect communion. Amen? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so Isaiah, we unwittingly read a little bit of a theological teaching here. We don't even know we're doing it. But it's really important. And so, and so Isaiah really wants us to understand that Jesus, you know, is part of the Godhead. He says, everlasting father. We're going to call him everlasting father. Well, everlasting means eternal. Jesus always has been always will be part of the Godhead. Jesus is mighty to save. Amen. He's the mighty one. He's the everlasting father. He's in perfect communion with God. He's been revealed to us in this Trinitarian fashion. Okay. And let's go to one last title for Jesus, and that's Prince of Peace. Prince means captain, captain of our salvation. Peace comes from the Hebrew word shalom, which means health, welfare, complete. And so basically what Isaiah is saying to us is we have this captain of our salvation, this son to be born to us, that is our shalom. He's going to bring to us this health and this welfare, and this completeness. And, you know, what we see here is, is our, our Jesus is mighty to save. And he brings to us sound minds, right thinking, health to our bodies, and, and, and welfare to us, right? And, and, and so these descriptors of Jesus are to inspire in us rejoicing so that we realize who he is and who this child is that was born to us. So the Messiah, Jesus, is ushering in a government of peace. Not just a little bit of peace, but a governance of peace. He's bringing to us shalom, completeness, and health of the soul, welfare to our, our, our body, so to speak. Rejoice because Jesus is mighty to save. I, I, I can't emphasize this enough. You getting what I'm saying today? We can face life a couple of ways. 
We can go around saying, woe is me. I'm undone. Everything's bad. Everything looks nasty. And right now, things don't look that great. I don't know how old some of you are. I'm going to tell you something, a secret. They've never looked that great, worldly speaking. Amen? I mean, the 60s weren't that great. Don't, don't listen to the videos. They're a time of great uh, unrest and uncertainty. 70s, eh, whatever. Right? They're okay. I mean, uh, whatever. Went to college in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, and then you get to the, you know, the uncertainties of the 80s and 90s, and we got economic problems and all that. We're, we're always going to have issues. I mean, we have 9-11, right? And Twin Towers go down. We have the crash of 2008. There's always a problem, amen? We can't let that define us. We have to be defined by who Jesus Christ is, Christ followers. Christian learned that. He got rid of this backpack of burden and concern and he, and he met Christ at the cross. He saw the sepulcher of Christ. And he met the three shining ones, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he went into the celestial city. And I'm saying for us Christ followers, it's time to maybe go into the celestial city some. Amen? To take that step and say, we're going to do life entirely differently. So I want to end here with a Christian reflection for you. Rejoice a child is born. Rejoice a child is born. The incarnation is a demonstration of the love of God who became present with his creation. There's this corny saying that bears repeating here, even though it's a little corny. Sometimes the best present you can give somebody is your own presence. At Christmas time, oftentimes we're trying to figure out the perfect present to give somebody. Sometimes it's just you being present. Amen? And actually caring about them. There is no greater gift than that. And I'm looking forward uh, to going and seeing my grandkids for a week, um, it's intense time, amen? But I love them when they're sitting in my lap and they're hugging me. Yeah, and I love hearing about their stories. I love just being present in their life. Our God so loved us, he became present in our lives, amen? He didn't sit aloof. He didn't sit uncaring. He came and dwelt among us because of love. And I want to tell you, rejoice in that. And minister that way one to another. Just be present. Just be there for your families. Just love on them. Be encouraging. Lift them up. Pray for them. Care about them. Love them. Hug them. Hug them. Hug them. Hug them. Amen? I can't get enough hugs from my grandkids. Now, I don't want strangers hugging me. (laughs) Just want to clarify that. I don't mind getting hugs from any of you. Honestly, I don't. We, we joke about it. Sometimes people think, gotcha, give me a hug. I said, really, you're not bothering me that much. Just a little bit. But last time we left, I remember Sammy and James both crying a little bit because we were leaving, and it just touched my heart, broke my heart in a good way. You can be so important to somebody just by being present. Rejoice. Jesus is present. Amen. He loves us so much. He's present. He's in our lives. Our theme for this Advent season has been rejoice. Rejoice today since yoke has been shattered. Rejoice, Jesus is mighty to save. Uh, by the way, we have some great Christmas Eve services, so if you are around, come to those. Make that a priority. They're short, a little chaotic, but fun. I really enjoy them. They're one of my favorite things to do in the year. 
And then on December 26th, the message is not a Christmas message. It's a 2022 message. And we're going to jump into our theme already for 2022, and that's finding our identity in Jesus. I think, church, we need to be a church that has its identity firmly established in Jesus Christ. Followers, we need to have our identity established in Jesus Christ. It's so important. We're going to spend this next year really, really uh, looking into that subject matter, and I think it's going to be very uh, timely. So let's pray. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord God, I want to thank you for uh, Isaiah chapter 9 and for that prophecy. I want to thank you how insightful that is in terms of rejoicing and sin is shattered and you're mighty to save Jesus. I want to thank you that, as Matthew has told us, it's been fulfilled. Born to us a child is born. You've come, Jesus. And I want to thank you, Jesus, that even you, as you did your ministry, you uh, made it known that you've come to set us free from the slavery to sin. You're setting us free from this oppression. You've taken this backpack away from us, Lord. I want to just give you praise that even things like the Day of Atonement, all that stuff was just pointing to what you would do, Jesus, so we would understand kind of in a full-orbed, big-picture way of what it means that unto us a child is born. And on him shall rest this government of peace that will be forevermore. Thank you, Jesus. I pray this Christmas that we would rejoice, that we would just find peace in you, that we would have quiet moments of connection with you, Lord, that we'd have those moments of just blessing our families. Uh, more than anything, I pray we would just lift you up, Jesus, and praise you. And we just exalt you in how we treat one another and how we interact with our culture. And uh, God, I just pray that your name would be glorified. Would you just bless these remaining moments as we sing unto you some songs of praise, Lord? I pray this in your name and all God's people said, 